10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you into the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you, and we'll tell you off the top, we are really looking forward to our special guest joining us here in the next few minutes, former all-conference center for the Red Wolves, the all-time leader in starts for the A-State football program. Jacob Still started 53 games during his career at A-State, and nobody loves the Red Wolves more than this guy. That's right. He's one of our... Very favorites, uh, was as a player, you know, continues to be, you know, as an alum, which he's doing for the first time now, you know, as a former player, but uh, still just as plugged in, just as invested, and always fun to chat with Jacob still. Meanwhile, we have a football game to recap. Hmm. A-State was in Lafayette on Saturday, taking on the Raging Cajuns. The Cajuns end up winning it by the score of 38-18. to James Blackman was a game-time decision at quarterback and taking on the defending conference champions on the road without your starting quarterback, a pretty big ask and a big blow losing their leader on Saturday. And it wasn't just James. And you can look at the way this team executed a lot that needs to be corrected on the field. But by the time this game was over, A-State was down their top two quarterbacks They were down their top three running backs, their top three cornerbacks, and it made it really tough against a Cajun team that played some good football. Yeah, so we may talk later on about kind of what I did over the weekend, but I was in a position to watch the game, you know, on ESPN Plus, four o'clock rolls around. I'll say this, I missed the opening kickoff. So by the time I, when I get on, we're literally about to run our, our first offensive play. And I hadn't been plugged into the pregame or anything. I didn't know anything about what was going on. So I grabbed my phone, and there's you know AJ Mayer getting set to hand it to Jacques Cross on the first play. And I'm like, what in the world is what is going on? Well, and that was after the opening kickoff was muffed at the two yard line. Here's Johnny Lang, who's been fantastic for us all year. He hasn't muffed a kickoff all season, but he's unable to hold on to it, and you got to start at the two with the guys you mentioned, a new quarterback and a new running back, both starting for the first time this year. And that's no knock on those guys, right? I mean, I, look, they're good football players, but just it wasn't what you thought you were logged on, expected to see. And and I'll be honest with you, listen, you know more about our roster than, our, than I do because of just the study you got to do on it, and my day-to-day duties don't call for me to study the roster or see it i feel like i know as much or more than most and i'm just gonna be honest we had guys make plays in this game that i'm watching it tell my wife i don't know who that is (laughs) and i think that probably goes for most fans and there were a lot of guys out there seeing playing time saturday that had not seen the field Now, the defense did start off okay. They forced a three and out on the Cajuns' opening possession. Then the second possession, a forced fumble by Travion Thomas, recovered by Joe Britton, who's a Bentonville native, a transfer from Missouri, but he really hasn't played until this past Saturday. And 
he played a lot of snaps in that game. In fact, he started the game on Saturday, but Joe Britton gets the recovery. It's still the Cajuns leading it 10 to nothing after one, but second quarter gets going. It seemed like the Red Wolves had a little bit of momentum. And one thing we really haven't seen a lot of this season are the trick plays. We saw a flea flicker. We saw Johnny Lang actually come back in after he was banged up. He ran the play, flipped it back to A.J. Mayer, and found Jeff Foreman for 38 yards. At a time where, prior to that snap, Arkansas State had 37 yards of offense. That's exactly right. Dominic Zavada, later on the drive, hits from 43 yards out on his first of two made field goals of the day. And it's a one-score game. The Red Wolves get it back after a defensive stop and then a 53-yard pass to another true freshman, Deverick Jenkins. Right after that, a 27-yard touchdown pass to Sedu Triore. And all of a sudden, you're an extra point away from tying up the ball game. Yep. But the extra point was blocked. And then I thought the biggest play of the game came soon after that. It's 10 to 9. There's a fourth and six from the A State 45 yard line, and the Cajuns elect to go for it. And not only do they make the first down, but it's a 45 yard touchdown pass. And it seemed mm. like the momentum shifted at that moment, and the Red Wolves never got it back the rest of the day. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you go back and, you know, I guess officially, you know, Dominic Zavada gets that extra point block. You know, he had not missed on anything, you know, all year. But let's be honest, person that blocked it pretty well just, I mean, honestly, just sort of walked through the line untouched and blocked the kick. And then you said they, they convert the fourth down, not just for the first down, but the touchdown. And yeah, it was like it was a, a different game the rest of the way. It was 24 to nine at the half, 31 to nine early in the third. And, Felt like maybe the Red Wolves had got back in the ball game on a big kickoff return. Champ Flemings, who was in there in place of Johnny Lang, returns at 91 yards to the house. We see the celebration. Then we look down to the other end of the field, and there's a flag. It was called back, and it seemed like the air was just completely sucked out of that that A-State sideline. A 90-yard penalty. Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> and go it, from a it touchdown had to first and 10 at the 10. Nothing to do with it. And instead, the Cajuns go on to win it. Now, we did see Jackson Daly for most of the fourth quarter. And it was the first time we'd seen the true freshman at quarterback, other than the one snap he took at Southern Miss last week. But Jackson goes 5 of 9 for 34 yards. But, again, want to throw out some of the names we saw the other day. Jaquez Cross started at running back, the redshirt freshman from Fordyce. Mike Sharp played a lot at running back. He's a true freshman. Mentioned Joe Britton. Charles Willickus played a lot at linebacker. So Britton and Willickus, a couple of linebackers we really haven't seen much of. Mentioned the, the top three corners were gone. Sammy Johnson didn't make the trip. Leon Jones and Kenny Harris – both started the game but were unable to finish so we had guys like Ahmad Robinson a true freshman James Reed a true freshman and we also saw the Utah transfer Drew Rawls out there at the corner spot and then Kieran Crawford who we're starting to see more of he's going to be a really good defensive end going forward he had seven tackles in this game but a lot of names Got introduced the other day that uh, we really hadn't been talking about all season long. 
Yeah, and you know that's all well and good if you're talking about out there, you know, working with that three score lead in the fourth quarter. So, so we'll play these guys. But yeah. I mean, that's not you know that's not what brought that on. And really, it's not even hey, we were out there down by three, so let's play these guys. It's hey, who do we got that can play? We're going with these guys, the young ones. It's because that's where we are. I mean, that's what it was down to. And I and I don't mean that these will be names we hear a long time. Yeah. Just didn't plan on one of those times being Saturday. There's still a lot of things that uh, I know this coaching staff wants to correct going forward, but the injury certainly did not make it any easier. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I know I, my guess is Coach Jones said it. I know it's become something that's, as it's gone on, it's something he's not real happy about. But not only is this coming Saturday, week nine of nine in a row without a bye, which is too long. But it's now you go nine straight games, nine straight Saturdays without your bye. And in opponents eight and nine of those nine, both coming into your game with extra days. You're playing your eighth and ninth games in a row, and the opponents got extra days to get ready for it. Yeah, the Cajuns had been coming off a midweek game the week before, so they had 10 or 11 days between games. Same case here with South Alabama. They're coming off a Thursday night game last week against Troy. So, yeah, there's that too. We will talk about the South Alabama matchup this Saturday at Centennial Bank Stadium a little bit later on in the podcast. But coming up next, we're going to be joined by former all-conference center for the Red Wolves, Jacob Still. Stay tuned for that. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. We welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are joined by somebody that Brad and I have been wanting to talk to on this particular platform for quite a while now. It's one of our favorite players mm-hmm. to ever come through the A-State football program. The all-time leader in starts at Arkansas State University. It's Jacob Still. How you doing, Jacob? I'm doing good. I'm excited to get on here and uh, talk with you guys. I've been looking forward to this as well, and I'm not playing anymore, but any way that I can uh, kind of reminisce and connect back with uh my football days, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump on the opportunity. So ask me the hard questions and fire away. <laughs> Not just one of our favorite players, but to me, I mean, Jacob still is the model Arkansas State student in the way he, you know, felt about the university. He's the model Arkansas State alum in the way he feels about We should all do things the way Jacob still does them as it pertains to our feelings about Arkansas State. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't really like – you know, think of it like I just, you know, Arkansas State's really been my life ever since I left uh, Germantown, Tennessee to come to Jonesboro. Every day I woke up, you know, it was Arkansas State 100%. You know, everything that I did, every meal I ate, every, like literally everything I did, you know, Arkansas State football was in the back of my head. For six years of my life, it was like that. Um, no matter where I was, you know, you're just constantly thinking about it. And now that I'm away from it, you know, I'm, I'm still constantly thinking about it, but just in different ways, you know, how can I impact the university without being a football player anymore, you know, in, in different ways. And, you know, I've gone to, oh, I've gone to 
So I went to the home opener, watched them at Ohio State, watched them at Memphis, and then went to a few other games. And it's uh, it's fun watching on the other side and a lot less stressful. But it's uh, it's it's been a fun fall, and you know, excited to watch the guys finish. Really. When did you fall in love with the university? Because I know you were all in as a player as soon as you set foot on campus. But when did you just fall in love with everything Arkansas State? Man, that's a good question, you know, because they started recruiting me and I had no idea what Arkansas State was. I didn't even know it was a real school. Um, Walt Bell and (laughs) Coach Ellerby started recruiting me really hard. I came over here for a visit and I absolutely loved it. You know, I knew that this was going to be my home, you know, right when I went to that first game when we were playing Utah State. Um, It's funny now that our my old coach is at Utah State now. I think that was his first win as at home win at Arkansas State too. That, but anyway. Yeah, so that was that was the first game that you went to, that twenty fourteen win over Utah State. Yep. That was the first game I went to and the old press box was still up. They didn't even have the new facility. They had just started building the indoor facility. They had three beams. So I my first visit, I didn't have any of this new nice stuff that they have now. So it was really just I mean, I just remember sitting up there because they didn't even put my name on the recruiting list, which I thought was strange because they recruited me pretty hard. You know, they sent me letters. They were calling me. <laughs> then me and my dad go over there and like we do the football check in. They're like, sorry, you're not on the list. And like, you know, me and my dad, were not confrontational. So we're like, OK, well, we'll just go into the game. And uh, we just got bought a ticket and sat up top. And man, the fans were in it. And the game was awesome. Freddie Nine was just amazing. I just saw the energy that the players played with. And I knew this was going to be my home. And then the coaches found out that uh, my name wasn't on the list and that I didn't go through like the, you know, the football recruiting Saturday. And like that next week, every single offensive coach was in my high school coaches uh, office. And I was talking to all of them and they were just felt so terrible. And I was like, look, I didn't really care. You know, I was, I saw all I needed to see, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really like to be wine and dined and, you know, do the, you know, now players, you know, they get dressed in uh, their full uniform to take pictures on visits. I mean, that just sounds miserable to me, you know, putting on the, putting on the tight Adidas Jersey was, uh, it took about three, three assistant coaches for me to put it on. And I couldn't imagine just doing that for fun. Yeah. So they recruited me hard and I really just fell in love. Like my first year, you know, I didn't really, I came to Jonesboro and I didn't really know anybody other than, you know, obviously my teammates, but I didn't know anybody in the community. I didn't really, you know, know any people outside the football program. So it was just kind of me. And I just really tried to get plugged in anywhere I could, you know, FCA. I was really part of myself in school, tried to be the best student I could always. You know, I just really decided, I was like, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have, you know, many friends, you know, I mean, you had your teammates, but you know, there was a lot of older guys, I was just trying to fit in. So I just made the decision. I was like, man, if I just put all of my effort into this university then we'll just see how it goes. And, you know, I just started investing myself and really learning about, you know, the history, you know, I think I might be the only student in Arkansas state that would go over and walk around in the museum in the library, you know, cause when we were, uh, <laughs> When I was a red shirt, you know, the team would leave. And that was back when we were playing a lot of midweek games. So, like, in the middle of the week, like, I'd just be, like, by myself. You know, the football team would be gone. The coaches are gone. They're playing, like, App State or something. So, it was just like me. I was like, what do I do? And, like, you know, I was too young. You know, people didn't really go out much. So, I just started walking around campus. I'd walk through the student union. You know, I'd read all the, you know, the history stuff about the Indians. And then I'd go into the library and, you know, read, you know, some articles and, you know, I'd go through the museum. There's a beautiful museum in there and it kind of had some history of the Northeast Arkansas area. And I was just, man, I just devoted myself to try to just 
be fully engulfed in Arkansas State. And then it just kind of, you know, the more I invested in it, the more it gave back to me, you know, and I just, I fell in love and I just, I mean, it was like a home away from home. I mean, I remember to the point where I was like, I didn't like actually going back to Germantown. Like I would stay up in Jonesboro on breaks and not go home for like the holidays, but like if we had a long weekend, I'd stay in Jonesboro, you know, cause I just loved it so much, <laughs> you know, and, and the more you get plugged in around the university and, you know, not necessarily just in football, but you know, with the people in the community, you know, that's the greatest thing about Jonesboro is everyone's just willing to help you wherever, you know, if it's the alumni in the community, you know, the churches, um, the professors, the tutors, you know, everyone is just willing to help people inside that university succeed. You know, and the more I got plugged in, the more it started giving back to me. And I just, I, I honestly could not imagine myself at any other place. Like, I mean, everything I have in my life right now is a direct result of me deciding to go to Arkansas State. I mean, my job, my closest friends, and I mean, my teammates. I mean, I've been in my teammates' weddings. Some of my teammates are starting to have kids now, and they're like sending me pictures of their kids like, hey, still, look, it's my son. I'm like, man, put your phone down and go spend time with your wife and your son. Um <laughs> You know, it's just it's just cool. I mean, the the brotherhood that I created here and, you know, really that just this this university has. I mean, it's special. And then I I feel bad for people that don't take the time to really put in effort to invest in their university because, man, it's just going to keep giving back to you. I think the first time that Brad and I really realized how much you loved Arkansas State, we're broadcasting from the Arizona Bowl at the hotel. This is 2018. And I remember you came over and did an interview with us in the lobby and you're wearing a jumping Joe hat. And I'm thinking, man, this dude is different. If he's, if he's (laughs) got a jumping Joe hat on walking around the hotel. I remember that, you know, that was a good luck hat. I was wearing that. I think rattled off like seven or eight wins in a row. But yeah, you know, I remember going into textbook brokers, you know, now they don't even sell the hat anymore. I don't know why, but uh, I remember going in there and I, I remember seeing pictures of it on the unit on, on people's helmets, you know, and, and the pictures that I saw, you know, just across campus, you know, here and there. And I got it. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, there's a lot of older lettermen, older players that that was the logo they had on their helmet. Like that was the logo that they blood, sweat and tears, you know, and, and grinded for. And I was like, so I've always felt that like if I wore that, it kind of honored their legacy a little bit, you know, just by me wearing that in the Red Wolf walk before the games, you know, just when I when I could. Because when you play for a football program, that logo on the side of your helmet, like it means something. I just knew that that logo meant a lot to a lot of people. So I kind of wanted to honor that. You talk about your brotherhood of football team gives you, of course, you know, a lot of people in your family have experienced that. So, I mean. What's your first college football memory, period? Man, my first college football memory, that is a great question. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I think my first game I ever remember going to was a Tennessee football game in Knoxville with my dad. It was in 2004. I don't remember anything about that game other than after the game, I got some players' autographs. I don't even remember who they were playing. I got an autograph from Jesse LaHamona, who actually passed away in a car accident. He used to play uh, for the Tennessee Titans. But like ever since I was a kid, I was always around football. My dad was taking me to games. You know, I tell people like that was my Saturday. You know, you hear all the time now, you know, people like, oh, I'd rather, you know, sit on the couch and watch a game. You know, the TV timeouts take forever. 
I mean, not in the still family. We were at a game all the time, whether it, I mean, I remember going to the Liberty Bowl, watching random Memphis games. We'd go to Mississippi State games. We'd drive to Starkville. We'd go to some games in Oxford. I've been to Fayetteville twice in my life. And one of them was a Tennessee-Arkansas game. And Arkansas beat Tennessee. And I was just, oh, it's a terrible trip. And I think I was probably like nine or something at the time. You know, my dad playing for the University of Tennessee. So, you know, that's kind of who I followed and cheered for growing up. So we were always plugged in there. We were going to their bowl games. And I just remember like always just loving to watch the game. You know, even when I was in, uh, you know, elementary school, when I could start kind of understanding things, you know, I'd go to my high school's game and I'd be like one of the few kids that actually just sit in the stands and watch the game. You know, everyone else would be out, you know, behind the bleachers throwing a football or, you know, playing hide and seek. You know, I just always, and I would always go to like, my dad would bring me around high school practices. You know, I would always watch it, you know, and then it came time for me to play. You know, a lot of people, when they start playing, they probably want to be a running back or quarterback or receiver. They want to carry the ball, but not, not in the still family. You know, we, we were, we were offensive linemen from day one. I mean, I was in the three point stance. I never even, you know, learned how to throw a football. I mean, if you, if you tried to see me throw a football, you can ask anyone on the team. It looks terrible. Um, But, you know, since birth, I was kind of, I would, I would say, I guess, bred to be an offensive lineman. I remember my dad had a board, two by four in the backyard and he had an old pad and we'd go out there for dinner you know when i was young this was like when i was even before i was playing flag football you know we do offensive line drills pretty blessed my dad was my coach all the way up growing up so any any bad habit that i had on the field that you saw in college you can uh maybe uh, throw blame towards my, my dad's coaching, but I, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, so I was blessed that way. You know, my brother, obviously he, he played at the university of Mississippi with Hugh freeze tremendous years in our family's life. You know, he had a lot of success there. Ole Miss had a lot of success. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of go to some of their practices. You know, I remember in one of their bowl games, you know, Hugh Freeze was really family oriented. I'd, I'd never even had met him before. And I remember I was at a practice um, at one of their bowl games. I think my brother's second year and he came up and shook my hand and you know called me by my first name and asked me how everything was going. And uh, we yeah, I was, mm-hmm. so I was uh, I was always just around the game, around the players and really interested in things. So I just football was our life in the still household. Um, everything revolved around football season. You know, my, we were always trying to get on the best teams. You know, I was lucky to be in a program at St. George's independent school where we had a pretty good class, but you know, my brother, you know, he switched, um, schools to be on a really good football team and he had really good success at a school called MUS football really kind of dictated everything in our daily lives. It was either football scholarship or you're going to have to find a way to pay through college. And that's how it was in the still family. You know, I went to a, I was blessed to be able to go to, you know, a really nice school growing up. But, you know, my family was like, you know, look, you're either getting an athletic scholarship or you're going to have to find a way to pay through college, whether it's either that or you're going to go to the community college. So everyone in my family, including my sister, has an athletic scholarship that paid for their college. And it kind of just gave us discipline. You know, my dad was hard on this, but he wasn't. wasn't too over the top, but, you know, there was, you know, accountability. If you, if you had a bad game, you know, you would, you know, there was accountability, like nothing bad, like we wouldn't get you know, spanked or anything, but, you know, he would kind of light into us a little bit and tell us, Hey, you did this, this isn't acceptable. You know, you need to step it up and play good. You know, it was just always this mentality of just, my dad always used to say, empty the bucket. His offensive line coach, Phil Fulmer in college, always used to say that empty the bucket, you know, 
whatever practice game, you know, you just want to leave everything out there, just empty everything. You know, if someone has to carry you off the field, you know, they're going to carry you off the field. So I kind of just, since I was young, I took that and just put it towards everything I did, whether it was the classroom, my friendships, you know, being a brother or sister, you know, just give every ounce of effort towards something. And then when it's over, you can look back and say, I gave them all, you know, my dad always used to say like, man, never cry after a game. And I'll say that I broke that in college, uh, last year after our last game, I was, I was crying like a, like a little baby, but he always said, never cry after a game. He said, if you cry after a game, that means he left something out there. And so I, I kind of took that towards everything I did. I never walked off the field in any game I played at Arkansas state saying I could have given more, or I could have given more every single time I walked back into the locker room. I knew in my head I was content that I gave 100% effort on every play. I might have not executed good. I might have gotten beat, but there was never a time where I knew where I was like, dang, I let up there or I, I, I was soft there. So, you know, looking back in my career, you know, I wasn't the most athletically gifted. I wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the strongest, even though I was pretty strong. But I wasn't the strongest. You know, I didn't have the longest arms. I wasn't the fastest, but I just always was scrappy. And I just would always take, I would just be like a bulldog, you know, and I'd just always be in other people's business, you know, given the last shove. <laughs> well, let me and stop I, you right there, Jacob, yeah. because this is one thing that Brad and I certainly remember about you and that you were in the other team's business. You just said yeah. that, but you yeah. would do research on the other team before a game and you would talk about... What would you talk about, Jacob, when, when you looked so, up other players? I'm guessing you're looking on social media, anything oh yeah, you can yeah. find, right? Oh, yeah. So I would uh, – they would do a really good job of, you know, our, our analyst and coaching staff would do a really good job of giving us a scouting report. You know, we'd get a list of every single player, who we're going against, name, where they went to college, where they went to high school, where they're from. You know, so I would just take that list and, you know, while I was at training table and you know, I'd look them up on Twitter and I'd look them up on Instagram, sometimes Facebook. Sometimes I'd even plug their name into Google. Strictly, I'd look on Google to see if they've ever been arrested for anything. Because, um, you know, you bring that up. They don't they don't really like talking about that. Girlfriends really hit them hard. Mothers, if you would find out their mom's name and you would say that. Instantly, you're in their head for the whole game. And I would always try to get in people's head because if they sometimes they were more worried about getting at me than they were doing their job, then I have you beat. So did it ever backfire, though? Did you ever make the wrong guy mad? No, I would be smart about it. Like, you know, obviously, like when we were playing Alabama and Georgia, you know, I wouldn't tell those people. But any any conference game, I mean, I was I was I was in their stuff. My ultimate goal for every game was to try to get someone to throw a punch on me because, you know, if someone throws a punch on you, it's automatic ejection and they have to miss the next game, too. So I was like, man, and I never got someone to get ejected because, every, you know, some belt refs are missed so much. But uh, Georgia Southern, the year we beat them at home when like Kirk Merritt, and Omar and Jay just went off. So I think that was what, 2019. We beat them really, really good. Like we were just handed to, I think it was like, we scored like 27 in the first half, man, I was in that guy so bad and he was tired of it. And then like the third quarter, he just wailed off and punched me and he hurt his hand. And so then he, uh, he couldn't strike as good. And I mean, I was just like stuff like that. You know, people are so dumb. I never understood why people would, uh, try to throw punches on helmets. I mean, it's like punching a wall. I mean, they're, they're idiots. 
but yeah, overall, I would try to uh, mothers, girlfriends, if they ever like posted anything goofy, you know, like sometimes people would be like in Halloween costumes or like fraternity party costumes and they're like, maybe they looked more like a girl. And, uh, you know, I'd bring that up. Sometimes I would bring up where they were from and, you know, get a little bit on their high school, you know, and, and talk bad about their high school. That would hit home with some people. I would also, if I ever had anyone that had tattoos that I was playing against, you know, I would call their tattoos cheap. I said, man, there's some cheap tattoos that for some reason pissed a lot of people off. Um, but uh, you, you can talk about yeah. their mama, but don't talk about their tattoos. Yeah, their tattoos, because, you know, I, I, for some reason that just made people mad. But yeah, I, I did kind of. But I, I was smart running my mouth. You know, Anderson used to light into me sometimes because I would do it at practice sometimes with some people just to kind of egg them on like guys like Trent Ellis and Kyle Wilson. Toughen them up. Um, yeah, you know, you know, I always try to get the best out of everybody, you know, get them fired up. If I saw someone that was kind of lagging at practice, you know, I'd kind of try to point, pick at them to get them to kind of get some energy and, and hit me hard. But yeah, I always, I, there was always a line. I never really crossed the line. I never wanted to get a penalty. You know, I never got a, I never wanted to get any unnecessary penalty. I did talk back to some referees a couple of times and I almost got a call. So this is a funny story. I don't know if I've ever told this, but the offensive line know the story. So we're playing Texas State a while back and uh, Coach Rudolph taught me all the tricks of the trade of being a center. So I'd always get over the ball. You know, some people would notice this because they'd ask me about it. And I think maybe one of you asked me about it one time is I would uh, get over the ball and I would always extend the ball out past the line, you know, probably like a foot or maybe, you know, half a foot, six, eight inches. You know, I'd always try to get as much yardage as we could. Well, the, we were playing Texas State and the and the ref kept warning me. And one time I just kept doing it the whole drive. I mean, I probably got us during my career. I mean, I probably got us. 75 yards just by me poking the ball out longer than it needed to be well the the ref comes up to me he's like uh they need to have a stat for that i know they do i mean i think i accounted for just as much offensive production as as some people but the ref came up he's like he's like 64 if you do that again i'm throwing the flag and i looked at him i said i'm going to keep doing it until you throw a flag because you're not actually going to throw a flag well that ref snitched on me went and told anderson Anderson came over me on the sideline and just lit into me that I was talking to the rest. I mean, lit into me. I mean, I got, that was probably, I got some pretty bad uh, chewings in college. That was probably top three, but yeah, man, sometimes as referees would get, get on my nerves, you know, especially when we were trying to play tempo, you know, just spotting the ball and, you know, blowing the play live pissed me off when they'd take forever there too. Yeah. You, yeah. you should be in the record book. For total offense, he'd be right up there with Justice and those guys, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, the quit, I mean, just the the classic, and I tell people this all the time, even when you're playing, it, it just the classic case of man, teammates love him, and you hate that guy's ass if he's on the other team. And there were so many times after the game where I'd like go up and shake people's hands, and they'd like you know try to start something or spit in my face. And we were playing ULM a while back. I think it was my 2017. Their D-line called themselves the Nasty Dogs. Like, their D-line was having a good year, and they didn't get one pressure on us. And I was talking crap about how they called themselves the Nasty Dogs and how they ain't done nothing. And then, like, after the game, they'd – man, the worst thing is when people would spit in your face. I mean, that was – I made me want to puke. I mean, they'd spit in my face, and they'd try to start something, and I'd just start laughing because, I mean, I'm not really a mean person, but during the during the game, like, I'd try to get under your skin. Yeah, J- Justice had to actually break that one up. <laughs> Justice probably remembers some more stories than than I even remember of the the times I've had to mouth off to the other team or the officials. 
I do want to get into into something else, though. And again, had that amazing record, 53 starts in your career, more than anybody in the history of the school. But uh, this was after you redshirted in 16. When you started as a redshirt freshman to begin that, that 2017 season, you started pretty much every game through 2020. And then there was a coaching change. You got the extra year if you wanted to come back in 2021. Yeah. Even though you knew there was a good chance that you might not start to begin the season, you wanted to come back for one more year. And you didn't start at the beginning of the season. It was six games in before you were back in the starting lineup and you started the rest of the season after that. What was it that made you want to come back? Was it just the love of the school, the love of the football program? Why did you take that extra year? That's a really good question. And I I was actually thinking about that today when I heard uh, Tim Brando talk at the Little Rock Touchdown Club, you know, just about the nature of college football now. When I got the extra year, I remember telling myself, I was like, man, I'm not going to take this. I'm just going to, this is going to be it. But then, you know, things weren't really going very well in the COVID year. You know, a lot of people were opting out. A lot of people were hitting the transfer portal. And I'm not going to lie, you know, every, when, when we heard about the transfer portal, you know, everyone was like, man, you know, like what would happen if we entered the transfer portal? And I would be lying if I said, like, I never even thought about it. But like, it was very brief. And I just remember, I was like, man, like there was talks in our locker room. People were like, man, I'm going to hit the portal. I'm going to hit the portal. And I was like, man. I was like, I mean, I could hit the portal, but like, what the heck would I enter the portal for? You know, this is my home. These are my best friends. This is the university that I love. Like every single, I remember just like, remember like once that news broke, I was like walking to the cafeteria and I was just like walking by everything I was thinking. I was like, I was like, man, everyone here that's done so much for me, why in the heck would I ever want to leave this place? I mean, just the coaches that have poured their life into me, my teammates that became my best friends, the people in the community that have done so much for me. I was like, why would I ever want to leave them? You know, if I ever left them, I would feel I would literally feel guilty every day. I ought to have knots in my stomach. I started getting knots in my stomach, even thinking about going to another place and playing. And I know everyone wants to go somewhere. And they, we've had people that have transferred out and everyone has their own reasons. I don't really want to get into that. But for me, like I just I felt sick to my stomach, even contemplating that. You know, I just knew that I had one more year. My body was getting healthy. I knew that I had more to give. Um, I knew we had a coaching change and I wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to keep building on to my legacy at A-State. I had more to give, give to the football program, to give to the university. I, like I wasn't done. I just felt like I had something left. And I came back that extra year and tried my hardest to represent the university the best I could on and off the field. You know, I, I think I worked harder. You know, obviously I, I wasn't playing at the beginning of the year, it was frustrating. That was probably one of the hardest moments of my career. But I just remember I just kept putting my head down and I just kept working hard and I kept working hard and I kept working hard and I kept working hard. And the time came around where I needed to step in and play. And I finished off on a really good note. You know, and that's just kind of I was talking to Brad about this at the uh, Memphis game. You know, just no matter what adversity comes your way, you just got to keep putting your head down and keep working. And if you keep doing the right things over and over again, good will follow. And that's in anything in life. You just keep doing good things positive things will will start to come your way. And I knew that if I just kept working hard and doing the things that need to be done, that 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 things will will start, you know, panning out. And um, you know, there there was a lot of frustration and you know there's a lot of frustration around the program right now. I mean, if we're just being honest and uh, you know, we're, we're not we're not winning like we're used to. We're not winning like we want to. 
Um, and, and, and I was part of that last year, you know, and, and it, it kept me up at night. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm serious, you know, like we were working so hard and I just, that's the thing that some people don't understand is, you know, that the people that are hurting the worst are, are the people inside that locker room. But I was working so hard last year. I mean, probably more effort than any of the other years, just trying to get us back winning. And it just, we kept falling short and it was just frustrating, frustrating, but kind of like I hinted at earlier, you know, I, you know, even though we weren't very successful on the scoreboard, um, I can, I, like when I walked off that field the last time I, I was sad because that was it. You know, I felt confident that I prepared the best I could, that I played with the most effort I could. You know, I gave everything I had for that university and, you know, and I remember walking off the field, I was like, man, this is it. You know, if I had another year after this, I don't know if I could do it. Hmm. You know, I gave everything I had, you know, it was kind of like emptying the bucket. You know, I felt like after that last game, that last droplet um, was, was leaving that bucket. And I don't know if I could have given any more. Um, you know, I, I think I gave everything I had and I, and I sit back and I reflect, even though, you know, we didn't go to a bowl game and we didn't win, you know, like we wanted to, you know, I was very happy and how I finished my career. It's, it's frustrating. And I in last year was a frustrating year for me um, just with everything that went on, but I, you know, am able to sleep at night and, you know, and it was hard, you know, like it was, I, I was up, it kept me up a lot like last year during the fall, you know, cause you're just wondering like, man, I'm doing this. We're doing this. We're working harder. We're, you know, we're meeting more, you know, we're, you know, we're having harder practices. We're, you know, what we did in the summer was like times 10 of anything we've ever done. Like why we keep falling short, what's going on. And I just know if we just keep putting your head down, if we just keep working, like we're working, um, then, then good things will follow. And look, I think that's a, a good spot to kind of go into, you know, last year and what the difference was for you, because you, you had played for coach Anderson for five years. And I know there yep. was a mutual respect between the two of you. He thought a lot of you. I know you thought a lot of him and uh, the yep. job he did over the years at Arkansas state, but it was a different atmosphere for you with a, a different coaching staff last year. And I know that you had to earn the respect uh, of coach jones and i know you respected the way he kind of came in and implemented his own system and it's different but i know you believe in what he's trying to do here yes sir you know their coaching philosophies are very different you know i love coach anderson you know we were successful with coach anderson Um, we won a lot of games he won a few conference championships here won a couple bowl games um played 95 percent of my career with coach anderson you know he was really good to me and my family gave me the opportunity at a university to get a degree to come play college football, you know, and I'll forever be grateful for that. You know, he's a great individual, but you know, the way he did things is a lot different than where Butch does things. It's not saying that coach Anderson's way was wrong or bad. It's just, there's two different philosophies. You know, there's different ways to, to make things shake with coach Jones our player led practices were a little bit more intense. You know, we were doing a lot more good on good. I remember with Coach Anderson, you know, we would do a lot more drills and technique during the summer. When Butch came in, I mean, we were doing like one-on-ones without pads on. And, uh, you know, we were going good on good with just, you know, shirts in practice. You know, there was definitely an increase in load on our bodies. I mean, Jeff Jones came in and his way of training was different than what we've had um, in the last few years, which loved Coach Jones, Jeff Jones in the strength room. He really got my body 
out of a hole, you know, cause that COVID year, my body was kind of a little beat up, you know, I was able to manage it pretty good, but coach Jeff Jones came in and he kind of uh, tweaked my workouts a little bit and got me back. Um, so love him for that. But, you know, coach Jones practices, I don't know. Um, I mean, you guys know, cause y'all, y'all have been out there, um, but I don't know if our, our regular fans know, I mean, it's, they're hitting a lot. You know, we're, there are physical practices. I mean, it is just like, you know, what you see at Alabama. I mean, there's good on good. I mean, you are hitting every day that we would put on shoulder pads. You know, we would do good on good. You know, when we would do blitz period, you know, we weren't going against the scout team. We were going against our defense. You know, we were constantly servicing each other and it made me a great player. You know, I think I was better skill wise last year than I, you know, I maybe was the previous years just because you didn't have, you know, the ability to kind of just take days off of practice. You know, you weren't really going against a dummy. You weren't going against a scout team player that was just holding a pad. I mean, you were hitting, firing off all the time. And it just took our team about seven or eight weeks to really adjust. And I, you know, I can't speak for the team this year, but I, I think there was some intense growing pains last year with, with our team and, and how things were run. And I just knew that once we could get the hang of it, then it'll pay off. And it started did paying off. We started playing a lot better football, but unfortunately I think it was too late when we started really understanding what was expected of us at practice. I mean, you could not take any days off. There was no days you could walk out on that practice field and not give 110%. I mean, there's no drills that, that were jogged through. There was no drills that you could kind of just go through the motions. You know, there wasn't any talking and teaching, you know, once after we stretched and he blew that horn and we did our A-State jacks, I mean, it was balls to the wall until uh, the end of practice. A lot of competition. And, and that was another thing, you know, everything was getting filmed. You know, we kind of did that under Anderson too, but all of your drills were filmed. So if you wanted to watch, you know, what your footwork looked like on period one, when we were just hitting the bags on the boards down there with coach Lime Grover in the corner, you can go up to our film person and watch that all the way up to our one-on-ones all the way up to the end of practice. We're doing good on good with the defense, you know, it just created a very competitive environment. Um, we were competing in everything we did. Everything was getting measured. You know, they had monitors on us. They were reading how fast we were sprinting, you know, the force output on your steps, which I don't even know how that little device could read that, but we were measuring it. even down to our workouts. Um, every single thing you did, you had to record, you know, because you were always trying to beat what you had. And last year, you know, there were some growing pains because, you know, when you do something a certain way, like what we were doing with Coach Anderson, like I like like I'm saying, it's what we did with Coach Anderson's not bad. It wasn't wrong. It wasn't a negative way of doing things. But when you do something for so long, like for four years, five years, really for me, when you you kind of have that routine of how Coach Anderson did things, and then something comes in and it's like, all right, we're changing it. We're doing this. There's going to be growing pains, and I and I felt like you know that that's kind of my take on the season. I'm not not trying to make excuses or anything, yeah. but. Obviously, I wish we could have, you know, been more successful, but I feel like his culture and ways was just, you know, being implemented and it took us a while to really fully grasp what was expected of us. Yeah, let me add to that end here for a guy, again, you had been around a long time. You had played in, in a lot of games that mattered and, mm-hmm. you know, you were the last guy with a ring and you'd played in, in one bowl games. I'll admit that I did not go into last year viewing it as a rebuilding year after a little while it sort of became the case that all right this thing is is now taking the shape of a rebuild so this is going on and it's also kind of coincides with time you know you you get yourself back on the field so for a guy who had 
done all the things you've done, was it hard to be as totally invested in, in kind of rebuilding the program? Yeah, it, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of hard, you know, because everything you were doing has was kind of tweaked a little bit. But I knew that it was my responsibility as a senior and a leader of that team to do everything that was asked of me to the best of my abilities. And I might have not been very good at doing what was asked of me all the time um, in, in terms of execution. Coach Jones always used to say, compete, don't compare. Don't compare yourself against others. Compete with yourself. You know, try to stack good days. Maybe you can just keep getting, you know, everyone always says get 1% better. You know, that at the end of the week, you know, look how good you've gotten. And that, and that's what I did. And, and that's what a lot of people in our offensive line room did. A lot of people are frustrated, but I do know that group of guys in that line room last year worked extremely hard and tried to do everything they could to win ball games. And that, that meant coming up there for, you know, extra film study, getting extra treatment on your body, extra workouts, extra drills after practice. You know, we knew that what was required of us, you know, because we that was another thing that I don't think people really understand is because of how our practices were run, you know, they were a lot more physical. So it required a lot more effort outside of practice and outside of the facility to get your body back right. You know, you couldn't really you everything you did, you had to keep the program in mind, whether that's what you're eating at the training table, you know, how you're recovering your body, getting your sleep. Everything matters when you're running a program like Coach Jones is running. I mean, football is the main thing. Everything that you're doing outside of, of the actual football correlates to how successful you're going to be inside that program. So, you know, you had to spend more time in the training room. People did a really good job of that, but it was just a total switch of how things normally had gone so it did take some adjusting it was it was it was a tremendous amount of growing pains and it was frustrating because man you're like you're you're getting asked to do this and i'm not very good at what you're asking me to do and we're still losing and it's just frustrating so you just get real down but man you just got to stay positive and you just got to keep plugging forward and i felt like that's what i did and i know there's a lot of fans that are frustrated and i'm frustrated and i'm everyone's frustrated but those people inside the locker room are more frustrated than anybody and i know the coaches are frustrated too but everything you know, if we just keep plugging away, it's going to come around full circle. I know it is. I just, it's just, it's going to have to. Well, Jacob, we could sit here and talk mm-hmm. with you all day, buddy, but uh, it's always fun talking to you and love the passion that you have for Arkansas State and for this football program. And man, I know that, uh, that you're all in. You were as a player, and you're going to stay that way going forward. Uh, yes, sir. Well, I, I appreciate it, guys. And um, it, it was it's always fun talking about my time at ASU. I love sharing my stories, you know, reaching out to people. You know, I'm in Little Rock now. It's funny. I'll get texts from some random people wanting to go grab lunch and just wanting to hear my stories and hear about Arkansas State. And um, it's a great place with a bunch of great people. You know, I, the best people in the world wear scarlet and black and, and cheer for the Red Wolves. So I, I appreciate you guys um, allowing me to get on here and kind of share some of my stories. I got a lot more. Um, and then hopefully um, what, what we I may said, get you on again, Jacob, to, yeah, to so, tell oh, all those stories. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And hopefully some of the stuff I said, you know, reaches somebody within the Arkansas State community and has a positive impact and maybe changes their perspective on how uh, – how we can go and um, get back to dominating the Sun Belt again. That's Jacob Still joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. 
You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Taking a look at what else is happening around the world of A-State athletics. Volleyball team dropping their two matches at Southern Miss over the weekend. They'll be on the road once again this Friday and Saturday as they take on Texas State. Meanwhile, the soccer team won one and tied one this past week. This past Thursday, they go to Old Dominion and a dramatic (laughs) finish in this one. Darby Stotts with the game-winning goal, and it came with 28 seconds remaining to give A-State a 1-0 win. And it came probably less than a minute after Old Dominion had scored but was offside. Oh, they wow. had what they thought was the game winner taken off the board, and with 28 seconds to go, Darby Stotts sticks one in for the win. And then they got a tie on Sunday that my guess is they're not real happy about. If you ask them, they probably told you they should have beaten Southern Miss. They actually came from behind to get a 2-2 tie and sets up, I mean, off the top of my head, and I'd like Coach Dooley's take on this, I'm not sure when there's been a bigger home match than there is coming up Thursday. Yeah, they're 6-2-1 and one in conference play. They're in second place in the Western Division, but it's the final game of the regular season. They're taking on the first-place team in the West, South Alabama, who has a two-point lead. Yeah, if you, uh, if you uh, beat them, you're going to win the West. Matter of fact, you've got a chance to be the number one overall seed, depending on what happens. I think it's with Georgia Southern. I think – where they are in their points if they were to lose or something arkansas state could end up i still think there's a path to be the number one overall seed in the sunbelt tournament but uh the west division title is on the line red wolves are on their home field thursday at three and if they win they win the west and then the women's golf team finished the fall portion of their schedule final event of the fall How'd they swing this deal? They go to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. They play in the White Sands Bahamas Invitational this past weekend. Finished second out of the eight teams that competed. Olivia Coit, Elise Schultz, and Olivia Schmidt finished five, six, and seven in the tournament. And I think we had a couple that were tied for 10th. And now the men this week are going to play in the White Sands Bahamas Invitational on the men's side. Well, at least... They get to do the same thing to wrap up the gender fall. equity. We, well, good. That should have been where this podcast came from, and of course they're coming off the uh, the big win last week in the home tournament at Ridgepoint. So hopefully they can follow that up with a big win this week. And then of course, as we look ahead to this week, A State football hosting South Alabama. Kickoff has been moved up three hours from the original start time. It was originally set for 6 o'clock, but a 3 o'clock kick time coming up this Saturday. Our coverage begins at 1 on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield. Uh, They moved up the kick time because of ESPNU. Mm -hmm. That's where the television broadcast will be. But uh, you kind of had hinted at this last week. Lots of halloween yes. activities plan and really it's got a chance to be a lot of fun we're going to start we say at noon in tailgate city there's going to be 
trick-or-treating taking place and everybody who's got a tent in tailgate city can take part in this i don't know who is and who isn't well, matter of fact jonesboro chamber of commerce members got an email blast last week giving them an opportunity to buy a tent just to come in and have a tent in tailgate city for trick-or-treaters so it's gonna be a trick-or-treating going on our student athletes are going to be in the a state athletics tent they're going to have candy and maybe even ah, they've talked about having face paint and who knows what all going on uh, the hijinks kid zone i think they've talked about they're going to have bags of candy so that's going to start at noon red wolf walk is at 12 45 this saturday with the three o'clock start okay. 12 45 is the red wolf walk and then when it's done, beginning at one o'clock, Greenway Equipment, which is you know great partner of A State, and and uh, you also one of the game sponsors because it's Ag Day, they're going to be doing hay rides around the practice field. How about that? From one to two thirty. So there's all this stuff going on before the game. When the game starts, by the way, everybody's a hundred percent encouraged to wear their costumes, especially the kids, the college students. Great chance to put your costume on and probably end up on ESPNU as a result of having a great costume band's going to be in their costumes they've got a halloween themed uh halftime show uh but we're gonna we're gonna have some 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 costume contests going on during the game for some prizes uh so that'll be happening the music you will hear with it will be a halloween theme to the music over the course of the game like i said with the band at halftime uh there are some concession specials they're talking about having and then we've done a thing with our local schools around here, a lot of them. And I'm going to pass this info along to you, the listeners of this podcast. I'll tell you how you can get a free ticket, even mm-hmm. save you some money. If, you, if you're listening by now, you probably got tickets, but if you got somebody else looking for them, whatever the deal is, there's a voucher that's gone out to roughly about 12,000 elementary students in our area, offering them a free kid's ticket. And then the ability for anybody beyond that one free kid's ticket, age 13 and under, to be able to buy tickets for $10. But here's the secret to redeeming it. And absolutely, people with that voucher can go to the ticket office at First National Bank Arena this week and redeem it, but you can also redeem it by phone by saying, hey, my kid got this voucher, we want to redeem it, and they can, you can do your ticket purchase, and they can just send it to you on your phone. Well, that's neat. So if you're listening to this podcast, at where no matter where you may be, whether you live in a place where your kid got one of those or not, call the ticket office, 870-972-2781. And just say, if you got a kid 13 and under you'd like to get a ticket for, say, hey, we, we got this voucher. Because there's no, they're not going to ask you anything about it. There's no code you have to have. It's just when you do it, they're going to get you. They're going to redeem your free ticket. You can buy any tickets you need on the east side beyond that for $10 a piece. And boom, they can send them to your phone. Lots of cool stuff coming up on Halloween at Centennial Bank Stadium this Saturday at 3. You know what else they're going to do? They're going to play football. Yes. And the Red Wolves will try to knock off one of the Sun Belt's best teams this year. South Alabama has two losses by a combined five points. They lost on a last-second field goal against nationally ranked UCLA. And then this past week, they suffered their first conference loss to a really good Troy team, lost that game 10-6. to So we'll see a good team in here on Saturday as the Red Wolves uh, hopefully will be closer to full strength than they were last week. It's worth mentioning now because I congratulate them. And I know they wanted to win the game. I mean, unbelievably, right? That goes without saying. But they played that game on a Thursday night in front of the first sellout crowd in the history of their new stadium. It's a really nice stadium. So congratulations too. to them for that, to their fans for pulling that off. And heck, so it'd be nice to return the favor. And they, you know, they got a chance to play at home in front of a big crowd on 
Thursday last week. It'd be nice to make them go out on the road and play in front of a big crowd this week. Agreed. Hey, it's been a fun episode. Appreciate our buddy Jacob Still for hanging out with us. Really enjoyed that conversation. And we're really looking forward to another edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Next week, we hope you join us then.